Second Kings chapter number four, beginning in verse number eight. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, some versions say a wealthy woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. And so it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall. How many of you know if your wife ever asks you to do something small around the house, she is lying. It's not going to be small. It's going to be big. It'll start out small. You know, we'll just go to Bob's and get the cheap furniture before you know it. You're spending like, you know, whatever. Anyway, can we make a small upper room on the wall? And let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and he lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite woman. When he called her, she stood before him and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my people. And so he said, what then shall be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. And while he called her, she stood at the doorway. And then he said, about this time next year, you will embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elijah had told her. Today we are continuing in our vision series called God's Good House where God is calling us back to a greater commitment to the local church. A greater commitment to to have a desire to be in God's house. A greater commitment to serve in God's house. And we've turned our attention to a greater commitment to give to God's house. And as you all know, next week is our special offering. It's a prayer offering, not a pressure offering. And so just do your best. And we're believing God to do some good things this year as we all kind of come together. But today, I want to talk to you about something that I believe God has put on my heart. And it's a word that I'm entitling, Reason and Return. Reason and Return. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak to our hearts? Would you make your word transformative and real to every person? In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, you may be seated. As we come to the text, we find Elisha, the prophet of God, being, did you notice the text, persuaded by this woman to come and eat something. And I kind of chuckle when I, when I read this portion of the story because I can relate a little bit to Elisha. And I, I probably shouldn't tell you all this because I'm hoping not to offend anybody by saying this. But I just want to be real with you. If I don't know you and you make me something, I ain't eating it. <laughs> it's, just that, it's just that simple. Because people is crazy, you know. People, people will poison you or, you know, I mean, I don't know what they're after. And not only that, but even if they won't poison you, if I have never seen the inside of your house, how I know you're not dirty? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you may, you may have animals walking all over your countertops and everything like that. And then I've got to eat that kind of, and it, it ain't happening, right? And so, so I, I understand why it says here that, that she had to be persuade Elijah to come and eat something. He's probably thinking, is she some type of kook? I mean, who is this woman and why does she want me to come over and eat something and so on? But somehow, some way, 
She persuaded him. You know, maybe he started investigating. Maybe he like looking in the windows when she wasn't home to see if the house was clean and, you know, asking some other people about it. Somehow, some way, she persuaded him. And she apparently was a very good cook because he not just went there. He didn't only go there once. He went there time and time and time again. And so he got to know her husband and he became a family friend. And, and, and not only did they feed Elijah, but in the process of time, the woman decided decided she wanted to do more than just uh, provide a place for him to stop and get something to eat. She said, you know, he comes to here all the time on his ministry travels, and it would be nice for him to have a place to stay outside of, you know, the hustle and bustle of things, so he won't have to stay at the Shunem Sheridan, so he can come here. And so she said, can we, can we build a small addition on the house? And you know what that real, that's, that's woman talk. Women talk in code, by the way. Y'all know that, right? How many of you men know women talk in code? They, they never really mean what they say. And, and if you are a good husband, you understand what she means when she doesn't say what she means. And, and when you're able to interpret that and, and give her what she wants, even though she didn't say what she means, that, 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 whatever. And I was going to go someplace that may not be good for me to go right now. But so, so I, the way I kind of picture this is, is that this wasn't really like just a little room that they plopped on the house. And, but before I get into talking about that, what, what really was exciting to me about this particular portion of scripture is, is when I saw the motivation behind their, their giving to this cause, to this, to this ministry, to this man of God and the work of God that, that God had called Elisha to do. It wasn't because she wanted anything in return. If you read through the story, there is a pure motivation here. There is an authentic, authenticity to why they are doing this nice thing for the, the work of the ministry here. They've tapped into a dimension of spiritual growth where they are stoked about the pure joy of giving. They're not doing it reluctantly or of necessity, but cheerfully. And and I want to take you into the story for just a moment so you can understand their their reason behind doing this really nice thing for Elisha and their ministry. So this is kind of how I envision it. And, you know, I'm putting a lot of author's license into the text here. But but you'll see I'm not doing any violence to the text. So I can see, you know, during construction time, the, the woman's all excited and she's picking out the colors and she's asking her husband, does he like red or does he like blue? Should we go over, let's get the surly posturpedic mattress because that's got all them special foams in it so it'll be good on on his back and let's get that bed that you know can can sit up and lie down and move in this position and that in position so that when he's in bed at night reading the bible you know he can be propped up and hey let's put a 70 inch on the wall in the room so that he could after he preaches so he can come over and watch the cowboys whoop down on the vikings i mean wouldn't that be really nice let's get him an ipad for alongside the the table a charger let's make sure that the thermostats are controlled by the phone you know so on his way over he could just change it to whatever have a temperature he wants, so when he gets here, he's real comfortable. Let's go all out. Let's get them shades. You ever seen them shades? You hit the button and they, they go off. Wouldn't that be nice to have in your bedroom, right? I'm going to believe God for those shades. I want those shades in my bedroom. Like about 6.30, they're on a timer and they just go up. I don't have a great view, though, like you see in New York City on, the, on those movies and stuff. But I, I could see him putting that in there and I could see him saying, you know what? Let's give him some entertainment. Put a PlayStation in there. I heard he loves to play Fortnite. I mean, let's just make the room real nice. Let's give him an ensuite because we don't want him using our be- bathroom when he's around it. Let's put some radiant heat in the floor so he doesn't have cold feet when he gets up in the morning. I could see them really 
getting into this, this addition on the house. Because when you, when you love to give, you love to give. When, 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 when you want to do something because of no strings attached, then you do it and you go all in on it. And so I can see them tapping into the very words that we are reminded of in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, where it says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And when the Lord showed me this, here's what I heard the Lord say. He said, remind everybody not to confuse the result of our generosity with the reason for our generosity. Because here's what I think has happened a little bit in the body of Christ. Is, 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 is we've become programmatic in our giving. Giving has now become exclusively about getting. And, and there's nothing wrong with expecting a return when you sow into the kingdom of God. But our motivation has become a business transaction and not a heart transaction. And we talked about this last, last time where it's almost as if every time we give, we only are giving because we want something back from God. And although lo- God loves to give us stuff back, I contend that there are better reasons for us to be giving to the work of the Lord. And there are a lot of reasons why people give. For example, some people give because they feel like they have to. What a terrible reason to give. Imagine, you know, you come home and you say to your wife, I just want you to know I really don't want to be here, but I know I have to. I don't really, I don't really feel like telling you that I love you, but I know I have to. I don't really feel like, you know, doing my part around here and, you know, earning, uh, you know, some money to help us out, but, but I know I have to. And, you know, I don't really like being kind to you, but I know I have to. How do you think your spouse would really appreciate that? Feel like, oh, you just love me so much, right? I mean, th- this whole idea that we do it because we have to, I think it's such a low-level reason. You know, things in the kingdom of God should never be have-tos. They should always be get-tos. They should be things that we do out of love and out of enjoyment, out of because we, we tapped into these words of Jesus. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Other people, they give out of fear. They feel like if I don't give, God's going to get me. God's kind of, you know, he's watching and he's bam, if I do something wrong, you know. That's a terrible reason to give. Some people give because they have a need. And, and this is not a bad reason to give. Matter of fact, this is actually a good reason, a biblical reason to give. There have been many times in my life where, where God has prompted me to sow a seed in order to put into motion the law of seed time and harvest because God wanted to meet a need in my life. And so he asked me to sow a seed. And, and you might remember there's a similar story in the Bible to the story that is in our text where Elisha winds up um, raising this Shunammite's son from the dead, but he saw that because he saw his mentor, Elijah, raise or heard about Elijah raising somebody from the dead. And you might remember that story when Elijah raised somebody from the dead. He, um, there was a widow woman of Zarephath, and Elijah was living through a famine, and God spoke to Elijah and said, go to the brook called Cherith, and there I've commanded ravens to feed you. And the ravens would bring him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, only two meals a day, which is a good diet. Diet, isn't it? Keto diet for your mind. And just, <laughs> anyway, and so they would bring him, and you remember the brook dried up, and so Elijah was commanded by God to go to Zarephath, and there was a widow woman who was supposed to sustain him there. And if I was Elijah, I'm thinking I'm going to roll up to a nice big crib. 
Because this is a, a woman who's going to sustain me. And so I'm thinking, you know, there's going to be some, some fountains in this driveway. And there's going to be some, you know, lion sculptors at the end of the driveway. By the way, anybody like lion sculptors at the end of the driveway? If you're Italian, you love them. If you're not Italian, you think, how gaudy is that? Anyway, she's got to figure it. He's got to figure this woman is well, ta- well, well to do. And he gets there and she's rubbing sticks together, right? And, 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 and Elijah realizes that he's not really there for her to sustain him, but rather God sent him there so she could sow a seed because she had a need. She was running out of food. She only had a little bit of Bisquick pancake mix left and she was going to make her last breakfast for her and her son and then they were going to die. And so God sent Elijah there, not necessarily for him, but for her, asking her to sow a seed so God can do a miracle in her life. And you remember the words of Elijah. Here they are. Elijah said, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a small cake And bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And so it's not wrong to sow a seed because you have a need. So many times in my life where God has spoken to me about that. For instance, there was one time, and you know, my daughter was in a bad relationship, and God spoke to me, and he said, I want you to sow a seed into an orphaned girl's life. And so I begin to support an orphaned girl on a regular basis, food and clothing and so on and so forth. And then I said, now I want you to support a ministry that helps women who are being abused. And so I begin to sow into that particular ministry. And the reason why God told me to do that was that was my seed in order to receive my harvest because whatsoever you sow, that shall you also reap. And because I was sowing to free somebody, I was believing God for my daughter to be freed from that relationship. And so sometimes what God will do is God will lead you in order to sow a seed because you have a need in your life. But that can't be the only reason why we give to the things of God. That was a particular reason. It's not the primary motivation behind why I give, but people give for that reason, and it's a biblical reason. Another reason why people give is because they are expressing their dependence upon God or Number five, they're being obedient to the Lord. Or number six, if you were here last week and you're not a 1.7 times a month person, which means you were here last week, you learned that we give because we are also honoring God and declaring that he is first in our life. Or because we realize that God is the source of everything good that we have. When God was speaking to the children of Israel after they came out of bondage and into the promised land, God said, when you get there and you're living in houses that you didn't build and you're harvesting lands from fields that you didn't sow, Deuteronomy 8.18, remember the Lord your God, for it is him that gives thee the power to get wealth. In other words, God is our source. If you were here last week, you also remember that we give in order to honor Jesus as our high priest. We looked at Hebrews chapter number 7, where Abraham, who is a type of our covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, gave tithes to Melchizedek, which was the pre-incarnate Christ, to give us an example of how you and I, under our covenant, should honor our high priest, Jesus Christ, with the first fruits of all of our increase. And so sometimes people give for that reason. But here's what I found out. There's one reason that is better than any other reason why you and I should give to the things of God. And it's because we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and all our mind. This is the best reason. This is what God modeled. Do you remember John 3.16? Of course you do. For God so loved the world that he did what? He loved. He gave. 
loved he gave. We said it last week. We'll say it again. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. This is what God modeled. This is the reason the mo- behind God giving us Jesus. Also, this is what Jesus admired. You remember the story of the woman with the alabaster box? You remember her story? She was a prostitute prior to meeting Jesus. Jesus met her, changed her life, freed her from prostitution. She was kind of looking for Jesus, and she found out Jesus was going to be in the home of Simon the, the Pharisee, who was, who, who was, you know, one of the upper echelon people in the society. They invited Jesus over for a dinner party. And in Bible times, they would have these dinner parties out in the porticos where people from the community can come and watch, but they weren't necessarily invited. And so she was there in the portico, and she's watching as everybody is disrespected. Jesus, they didn't give him any water for his feet, they didn't wash his feet, they didn't give him oil for his head, they didn't do any of that, they didn't greet him with a holy kiss, and so what does she do, she bum rushes the aristocratic dinner party, goes, makes a beeline for the feet of Jesus, begins to wash his feet with her tears, wipe them with her hair, takes her bottle of very expensive alabaster box of perfume, breaks it over Jesus, it's worth a year's salary, and everybody goes, oh! How could she do that? Listen to what Jesus says. He says, therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Jesus said, the reason why she's being extravagant with me is because she loves. Can I say something that may tweak some of you? Will you still love me after I say it? You're not responding, but I'm going to say it anyway, okay? (laughs) Little givers cannot be big lovers. Let me say it again. Little givers cannot be big lovers. And this is not just in our relationship with God. This is in any arena of life. An expression of our love is we give all of ourselves. We give ourselves, we give our time, we give our talents, we give our resources. We give what we have. That's an expression, that's an outgrowth of our heart. And so little givers cannot be big lovers Matter of fact, ladies, if you're in a relationship with somebody who's never giving you anything, can I give you a three-word bit of advice? Run! Why? It's an indication. It's an indication. If somebody withholds and somebody keeps that which they have. See, when somebody wants to take the good things and just use them on them, that means they value them more than the person they're in the relationship with. But when somebody is willing to put themselves second in order to be a blessing to somebody they are in a relationship with, that is an ultimate sign of love. That's what Jesus admired. And that's what Jesus taught. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Notice the link, treasure and heart. And this is also why Mr. and Mrs. Shunem gave. They gave with purity of heart. They didn't do this because they were looking for anything from Elijah. They didn't want anything from Elijah. They didn't want to garner his favor or use his influence. They just wanted to be a blessing. And I'm going to talk to you about the results of when we give for the right reason. But as I talk to you about the results when we give for the right reason, I do not want you to confuse the results with the reason. I do not want you to give for the results because unless you have the right reason, you can't have the results. Are you with me? And so from our story, we see some things. We see, number one, when we give for the right reason, God looks to reward us. Watch this. The Shunims have built Elijah, his room. 
He's lying in his posturepedic bed in the upright position, watching the 70 inch of the Cowboys beat the Vikings. Right? Verse 12 says, Then he said to Gehazi, Call this Shunammite woman. And when he called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, Say now to her, Look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? I want you to notice here that she wasn't the one who initiated the request for something in return. That the request for something in return came from the one who she blessed. Elijah said to her, even though you didn't ask for anything, I want to make a connection for you. I want to do something for you. Can I speak to the king for you? Can I speak to the commander of the army for you? Can I open a door for you? Can I use my influence to bless you, set you up, hook you up, guard a favor on your behalf? It wasn't her idea. It wasn't even on her mind. This wasn't her reason for giving. Her reason is because she loved, but her reward was a return that she didn't even want can I tell you what happens when you give for the right reasons God starts asking questions about you he starts saying what can I do for you is there anything can I hook you up can I open a door for you can I use my influence to favor you can I use my influence to bless you what do you want name that thing it's my good pleasure to give you anything in the kingdom I know you didn't have a return in mind but you had the right reason so I want to reward you anyway now if this doesn't sound Familiar to you, it should. Because there's a conversation between God and Solomon in the Bible. Do you remember it? How come you're all staring at me like this today? How many of you remember the conversation between Solomon and God in the Bible? Can I, can I just see that you're awake? Raise your hand. Punch your neighbor. Slap your neighbor. Here's how it goes. Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse number 6. And Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of meeting. And he offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. Not one, not ten, not a hundred, but a thousand. Not because he had to, not because he was compelled to, not because he was convinced to, not, but because he wanted to, because he loved God that much. Verse 7 says, on that night, God appeared to Solomon. On what night? On the night that he coincidentally had offered a thousand burnt offerings to the Lord. Not because he had to. Not because he was compelled to. Not because he thought God was going to get him if he didn't. He did it because he wanted to be a blessing to the Lord. And when you give for the right reasons, can I tell you what happens? God shows up in your life. And notice what he says. He says, ask. My Bible has an exclamation point. What shall I give you? In other words, Solomon didn't lay his gift on the altar and say, God, I need this and I need that and I need this. My name is Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. He simply said, God, here's what I have. Here's what I want to be a blessing to you. He was content with that. And God showed up. He said, hold, hold, hold on a second. What can I do for you? Imagine if God showed up and asked us that question. Just indulge me for a minute. He kind of has, by the way, done that. Do you know that? Because in the New Testament, Jesus said, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, I'll give it to you. But let's just pretend like Jesus didn't do that. And let's pretend that, that Jesus just showed up one day and said, anything you want, just ask, I'll give it to you. Can I tell you what we'd ask for? I know this for a fact. Almost everyone would ask for the same stuff. Ask for wealth and riches. Ask for long life. 
ask for fame and power, and ask for the head of their enemy. You say, Pastor, I wouldn't ask for that. Yes, you would. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I saw the movie Aladdin. There's a reason why it's in the script. There's a reason why everybody that came out of the bottle thought that the people were going to ask for the same thing. Because at the human core is this desire for those things. Solomon says this to God. He says, you've shown me great mercy to David, my father. And made me king in his place. Now, O oh Lord God, let your promise to David, my father, be established. For you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth and multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this great people of yours? God said, anything you want to ask. Solomon said, well, can I have wisdom? So that I can do what you've put me on the earth to do. God, I want wisdom, not wealth. God, I want wisdom, not long life. God, I want wisdom, not the head of my enemy. Why do I want wisdom? Because, God, if I'm going to fulfill my purpose, I need you to tell me how to do it. In other words, God, my concern, first and foremost, above everything else, is that I do what you want me to do with the life that you've entrusted to me, God. And so can you give me that? And can you picture God's face during this time? I can see God going, that's my boy right there. That's, that's my boy right there. Look at that. Look at that. He could have, I told him anything. And he said, wisdom. Listen to what God says. God said to Solomon, because this was in your, in your where? It is not a business exchange. It's a heart exchange. Heart is where what is motive. Heart is where it's the reason behind what we do. Because this was in your heart. And you have not asked riches or wealth or honor or life of your enemies, nor have you asked long life, but you've asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted you. Okay, here's what you wanted. But then God says, end. I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who are before you, nor shall any after you have the like. What was God saying? God was saying, because you gave for the right reasons, look at the reward that I'm going to give you. When we give for the right reasons, God looks to reward us even if we don't ask for it. And here's the funny thing about it. We've been told and told and told that, you know, you got to seek everything after this stuff when the scripture says seek after God above all things and then everything else will be added on to you here's what I know about God God is so good that if I make sure I take care of God's business I know for sure God's going to take care of my business the reward is based on the reason don't mix the two up don't mix the result up with the reason go back to the Shunammite woman verse number 13 Elijah says, since you've been so good to us, what can we do for you? She says, I dwell among my own people. She says, uh, I'm good. I'm good. She said, I, I, I don't even know what to tell you because when I did this for you, I didn't have something in mind. I, I didn't do this in order to receive something. I just gave it because I, I loved it. I loved the Lord and God touched my heart. And the woman leaves the room. And Elijah and Gehazi are there. And you know what happens when the woman leaves the room? Elijah says, we ain't taking no for an answer. Watch this. Look at it with me. Verse number 14. So he said, she just, he, she just responded, what can I do for you? She said, ah, she said, I dwell among my own people. I'm good. 
So he said, what then shall be done for her? In other words, we are not even going to listen to the fact that she doesn't want anything. But because her heart has been in the right place, we're going to bless her whether she wants it or not, needs it or not, can use it or not, ask for it or not. Why? Because her heart was in the right place. When we give for the right reason, God looks for ways to reward us. But watch this, number two. When we give for the right reasons, God resurrects what we decided to give up on. She says, I'm good. Elijah says to Gehazi, ignore that. What are we going to do for her? Verse 14b, Gehazi answers, actually she has no son and her husband is old. In other words, here's what Gehazi said. He said, I, I think she'd really like a son, but, but Elijah, this ain't going to be easy. You're going to need some supernatural assistant here because he's old. You all know what that means, right? They didn't make the little blue pill back in those days. And so she said, isn't there some supernatural assistance right here? And Elijah says, call her back. Verse 15. So he said, call her. And when he called her, she stood in the doorway. And then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. Her response is indicative of the fact that she's believed God for this before but has been disappointed because she never got it. Don't fool with me. Don't reach that deep into my heart. Don't don't break through the doorway that I've locked shut. I've moved past that. I've learned to live without that. Don't toy with my emotions. Don't, Don't reach into my soul like that. I've buried that. I've adapted to life without it. I've learned to move on. I've given up on that host, on that hope. I believe that that part of life is just not for me. Please don't toy with me like that. What was happening? She gave for the right reasons and God was reaching in to the things that she had buried and he was saying, I'm going to resurrect the dreams that you've given up on because your heart is in the right place. Some of you have said, I'm too old. God said, says you, not me. Some of you said, I missed my opportunity. God says, says you, not me. Some of you said, my marriage will never be like that. Says you, not me. I have to live with that hurt, that pain for the rest of my life. Says you, not me. My relationship with my child will never be. Says you, not me. Says you, not me. Here's what God wants you to understand. When your motive, when your heart is in the right place, God will reach into the deep recesses of your heart and he will resurrect the stuff that you have buried. That's what God was doing. Verse 17 says, but the woman conceived and she bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elijah had told her. Now, as a pastor, there are certain stories that I just wish ended at certain points. Like this would be a great, if I was writing this story, that would be the end of the story. Right? Just, you know, she didn't want the son. She buried it. God resurrected it. Now she's got the son happily ever after. But how many of you know Life doesn't always go like that. Life is not always linear. Life is not always, I believe God, I get this, and I live without any problems for the rest of my life. Life can turn bitter. Life can go wrong. But here's what I learned from this story. Here's what I want you to see. When we give for the right reasons, God rewrites the wrongs. Look at the next portion of the text. The child grew. And it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, And he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to his servant, carry him to his mother, just like any good father would do, right? Kid's got a problem, take him to his mother. I don't don't have time for this right now, right? And when he had taken him 
and brought him to his mother. He sat on her knees till noon and then died. There's no way to explain that. Other than to say that that ain't right. That's wrong. But how many of you know that's also real? Because sometimes life goes wrong. Sometimes things don't turn out the way that we thought they should. Sometimes life's bites are bitter. Sometimes pains run deep. But look at this woman of God. Look at our faith. Look at our relationship with God. She's not in this relationship with God just so everything can go okay. She's not in only if it's right, and she's not out when it goes wrong. Her faith is not fickle. God is not Santa Claus to her. God is somebody who is the foundation of her life, and she doesn't run from God. She runs to God. Watch this, verse 21. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God shut the door upon him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of our young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, why are you going to him today? It's neither the new moon or the Sabbath. And he said, listen to what he said. She said, it is well. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God in Mount Carmel. I love this woman's faith. Her reasons for serving God are real. She loves because she loves. She's not quitting because life went the wrong way. And when life went the wrong way, I want you to notice one of the rewards of her heart being in the right place. What does she say? It is well. It is well. The tragedy may have happened, but it's well with my soul. There might be sickness that I've been diagnosed with, but it's well with my soul. I might have lost my job, but it's well with my soul. My marriage may not be going in the direction I want to, but it is well with my soul. There is something that people whose heart is in the right spot have when life goes wrong. It's the ability in the face of tragedy to not necessarily be okay all in a minute, but to know it's well with my soul. Why? Because you have a soul keeper. His name is Jesus. She says, it's well. But watch how she protects her faith during trial. She puts her child on the bed of the prophet. Then she tells her husband she is going to see the prophet without telling him what happened. And I asked the Lord, why didn't she tell him what happened? Here's what I believe. Because she didn't believe the story was over. Why bother getting somebody to talk you out of the miracle that you're seeking God for if you don't believe the story is over yet. Can I just warn somebody? Can I just caution somebody? When you are in the middle of believing God for something, you can't tell everybody what you're believing God for because there will be certain people who will talk you out of your miracle. There will be certain people that think the scene of the story is the end of the story, but you might just think that God is still rewriting the story and rewriting the wrong that is in the story so when they ask you what's going on even though all hell is breaking loose you look them in the eye and you say it is well with my soul she looks she said it's well she goes on she runs ahead and here's what I love about it she decides I'm going back to the person who started the story 
You see, too many times when life goes wrong, we run away from the person who started the story. We forget that he's not just the author of the story, but he is the author and the finisher of the story, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so we depart on a scene and we never see the end of the story. But here's what I found out about God. I found out that even though every story does not end in a resurrection, God has a way of not allowing the pain to have the last word in the story. But you need to go back to the one who started the story. She goes back to Elijah. And Elijah sees her a great way off. And Elijah sends Gehazi. And Gehazi asks her three questions because Elijah says, ask her these three things. How are you doing? How's your husband? How's your child? You know what she says to Gehazi? It is well. Do you know why? Because she's got discernment. She knows saying something right with this guy. And did you know Gehazi, even though he was the servant of Elisha, wanted something right. Can I, can I just tell you that even though you may be a very spiritually mature individual, the enemy will send people into your court in order to sabotage where God is taking you. I promise you it's a fact. You need to be discerning. And she knows this ain't something right with this guy, Gehazi. How do I know there's not something right with Gehazi? Because a couple chapters later, somebody offers Elijah some money to do something. Elijah's like, nah, you don't understand. This ain't a business exchange. You don't understand that the reason why I do this is, is not because of any other reason than this is what God called me to do. Keep, keep your money. And so Gehazi waits for Elijah to leave. Gehazi goes back and says, he changed his mind. I'll take the money. He takes the money. She recognizes, she said, you know what? Even though somebody looks right, even though somebody talks right, I got to have a no-so on the inside of my spirit. I got to have a witness from the Holy Spirit of who I can let into this circumstance because there are some people, even if they're coming from the right motivation, they're going to interpret your experience through their experience and not every experience can be handled the same way. Not every situation can be responded to the same way. And so you got to get your answer, not from a person, but you got to get your answer from the source and everybody along the way has got to accept it is well with my soul so finally she gets to Elijah notice what the Bible says verse 27 when she came to the man of God on the hill she caught him by the feet but Gehazi came near to push her away but the man of God said let her alone her soul is in deep distress and the Lord has hidden it from me And has not told me. She said, so she said, did I ask a son of the Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? This is so good. Can I tell you why it's so important for you to ask God before you set something into motion? Because God is not responsible to resurrect what you started. But he is completely responsible to resurrect what he started. That's why if you go to the Lord, you say, God, you want me to do this? And something doesn't go right, you can go back to the Lord and say, God, did I say I wanted to do this? You're the one that told me to do this. So, God, I'm coming back to you, and I'm asking you to fix what you started because I didn't want no part of this. See, when God is in charge, when God has the last say, you don't have to worry when things go the wrong way because you can be confident that the same God who started the good work is going to finish the good work that he started. 
for time's sake, Elijah says to Gehazi, go take my staff and lay it on the boy. So Gehazi runs on ahead, lays his staff on the boy, comes back. He said, that didn't work. As if the staff was supposed to raise him from the dead, like, like that didn't work. And I asked the Lord about this. I said, why would you tell Elisha to go tell Gehazi to lay the staff on the boy if you knew the staff wasn't going to work? And here's what the Lord told me the staff was. The staff is the authority of the word of God. And can I tell you, when something dies in your life, where to start? You need to start by laying the word on it. And when you lay the word on something, can I tell you what happens at first? Nothing. In the natural, it doesn't move. In the natural, it stays right where it is. But can I tell you what's happening in the spirit realm? When you lay the word on something that is dead in your life, that thing starts to loosen up and the enemy starts to lose its grip, his grip over that which is holding you. Keep laying the word on it. Keep, keep laying the word on it. Finally, he said, he said, it didn't work. Elijah gets there. When he gets there, he goes up to the room. And here's what he does. First, he puts his eyes on the boy's eyes. His mouth on the boy's mouth. His hands on the boy's hands and stretches himself over it. And the Bible says the boy begins to get warm. And then he walks away. And when he walks away, he prays. And after he prays, he comes back. That's what God told me to tell you. Some of you need to go back and pray again. Some of you need to return to the situation that was almost turning but didn't quite turn. And the reason why it didn't turn is you stopped praying before your miracle was actually realized. And some of the reason why we don't see the things that God wants us to have is because when the going gets rough, we walk away. And instead of going back to the situation again and digging in and praying more diligently, we just continue to drift. And God is saying, it's time to go back again. It's time to allow me to rewrite those wrongs in your life. But it's going to take some diligence on your part. Goes back, and this time he lays on the child, and the Bible said the child revives and sneezes seven times. You want to hear something funny? You want to hear how good God is? God, God just does little things. I don't know if He's ever done this for you. I'm sure He has. This morning, I'm, I'm driving to, to church, and uh, and I'm just meditating on the message, and I sneeze, and I said in my spirit, "Would it be funny if I sneeze seven times?" Sure enough. I was waiting for number eight. God said, no, no, seven's good. I'm just going to show you. You're preaching the right word this morning. Seven times. Seven is the number of completion. And here's what, here's what I saw. Here's what I saw. I saw Elijah as Jesus. Because on that cross, you know what Jesus did? He put his eyes on our eyes, his mouth on our mouth, his hands over our hands, and he covered all humanity. And here's what happened. We not only became warm, but we came back to complete spiritual life. Again, there's life. He is the resurrection and the life. God, God wants to rewrite the stories that have gone wrong. Now, if I was writing this story, I'd be like, you good now? You said you weren't good, but now you're good. But can I tell you, God is not good. He's gooder than good. God's not enough. He's more than enough. 
Can I tell you that when your heart is in the right place and that when you give for the right reasons, God remembers even after you forget? Now, most people think this is the end of the story of the Shunammite woman because chapter 4 is over. You start reading chapter 5, and chapter 5 is the raising or the healing of Naaman of leprosy, Naaman the commander of the Syrian army. And then chapter 6 goes on and chapter 7, and the Shunammite woman's gone. But four chapters later, she reappears. Four chapters over, God picks up the story. You know what God told me to tell somebody? The story ain't over. Can I tell you that even if it seems like for four chapters of your life that you've been put on the shelf, that God hasn't looked your way, that God has forgotten about you, can I just tell you that when your heart is in the right place, God never forgets. And the only reason why you're on hold is because the season is not yet right for you to see the supernatural. And God is saving it for the precise moment. Four chapters later. The woman was warned of Elisha, S-H-A, that one, because I know it sounds like Elijah, but it's Elisha. Four chapters later, he warns her to leave the area because there's a famine. He says, go to the Philistine country, live there during the famine. She's gone for seven years. For seven years, life, just the way it was. She's got her son and her husband, but she's lost her home and her business. Seven years later, the famine's over. She decides to return home, and she said, I'm going to go see the king. And I'm going to ask the king if he can give me back my house and my land. Now watch this. This will amaze you. 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 4. As she came in, the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God. Now can I just stop here for a minute? Gehazi got struck with leprosy because he fooled with Elijah. Don't fool with people who are annoying. I'm just <laughs> He fooled, but he got struck with leprosy. But he must have got healed. Because here he is back as the servant of Elijah before the king again. No way he would have been able to be before the king if he still had leprosy. Would have been allowed in the presence of the king. Can I just encourage some people? Don't throw people away who make mistakes. Sometimes Everybody say sometimes. Say it again, sometimes. Because the reason why I'm emphasizing sometimes is because there'll be people who leave here and, and somebody been, have been pooping on you for like 20 years. And you'll be like, well, pastor said don't throw them away. Sometimes. 20 years ain't a mistake. 20 years is a pattern. Okay, and, and there are sometimes if you've been here long enough, you know it's time to move on. Sometimes it's it's time to give somebody over to God and say, God, they're your problem now because they've been my problem for the last twenty years. But there are other times where people make a mistake, and God wants you to be the hand of grace and the hand of mercy in their life. And when you're the hand of mercy and grace in their life, and they see the goodness that they didn't deserve, they truly become a servant at times like that. And so Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, is now talking with the king. And the king had just said, tell me some stories about the great things Elijah has done. And Gehazi was telling the king about the time Elijah had brought a boy back to life. At that very moment. Are you kidding me? Do you know what at this very moment meant? Here's what it meant. 
if she was journeying from Philistine country back home and, and she got in some Times Square traffic where you can't just walk fast, she got in some camel traffic where everything was all backed up and she arrived three minutes later. The conversation wouldn't have been happening at that time. But at that precise moment, at the time she needed it because God never forgets when you do something good for God. You may have forgotten, but God always keeps it on his radar at that very moment. The mother of the boy walked in to make her appeal to the king about her house and the land. Look, my lord, the king Gehazi explained. Here's the woman now. This is her son, the very one that Elijah brought back to life. Can you be, everybody's freaking out, going, can you believe we just talk about this right at this moment? And look at this, how could she walk in right at this particular moment? She told him the whole story. He directed one of his officials to see that everything she had lost was restored to her, including the value of any crops that had been harvested during her absence. Are you kidding me? I mean, I have been good. I've been like, yo, God, I'm good. You, you raised my child. From the, you ain't never got to do nothing for me ever again. God's like, I know that's your problem. You think I'm just good. I'm so much more than good. I'm gooder than good. And, and, and you were good to me. And even though you didn't keep a log of your goodness to me, even you, you didn't say on this day I, I did this for God. On that day I gave that much to God. On this day I showed up and did this for God. And, and, and you didn't keep an account. Can I tell you who did keep an account? God never forgot any single time that you've ever been good for him. And at the very moment that you needed to show up again in your life, when you give for the right reasons, it'll be there. And here's how good God is. God won't just give. Because sometimes you can feel like God's away from you for seven years. Can I just be honest with you? I probably shouldn't say this. There's a lot of things I shouldn't say, but I say anyway. Before the Lord led me to this story, there were certain things that, that I had given up on that I, that I wanted to see God do. And it's been a minute. Then I read this, and God said to me, you don't understand. All that time you think nothing was happening. He said, it's time to jump back in. And here's what I want you to know. When you jump back in, not only everything that I told you to do, that you dreamt of seeing come to pass is going to happen, but everything that you missed out on, on those seven years that you thought it was going to happen, guess what? I'm giving that back to you as well. Can I tell you how good God is? Can I tell you that when your heart is in the right place and you give for the right reasons, God is looking to reward you. And just when you need that favor to show up, it'll show up. God brought me here today to remind the saints, don't get the reason and the reward mixed up. Give from the right heart. Give out of, a, out of growth and out of love. Give from wanting to be a blessing to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And God will be asking, what shall I do for you? See, I know my reward, but that's not my reason.
I have confidence in my return, but that's not my reason. I know he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, but that's not my reason. I know that no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly, but that's not my reason. I know that it's the Father's good pleasure to give me the kingdom, but that's not my reason. My reason is love. My reason is because it's well with my soul. My reason is because of what he did for me on Calvary. My reason is because he took my sin, my cross, my shame. Rising again, I bless his name he is my all in all that's my reason and when your reason is right watch what God will do would you stand to your feet